0: with you, go ahead and get it out, got your Bible apps, go ahead and get those ready to go, and, and uh, mind if I sit? I don't know if I'll be able to stay seated, because I get too, too excited, but uh seemed like a good idea. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do that continually, but well, I'm going to try it out. Jesus did sit and teach the people. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Well, I've got some things to share with you today, and I trust you come ready and hungry and open to learn. And I uh, want to encourage you, if you have your phone right there in, 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 your, in your hand or on your lap, um, I don't know how the, the Android works, because that's the enemy. But uh, <laughs> no, i <I'm> just kidding. <coughs> Little phone pride here. Uh, but I know on the other phones, if you swipe down from the top on the right side... There's a little airplane there, and if you push that, it'll stop you from being distracted the rest of the service. <laughs> huh? Good idea, huh? Just a thought. For those of you who think you can multitask and and send emails and text and get something out of this service, just want to encourage you today. You're wrong. <laughs> and uh, distraction is a real thing. And word to the wise: so do whatever you want to do. But I hope to to share some things that'll really have an impact. I don't want to just do church for religious sake. You know what I'm talking about? I like to have an experience with God and learn and grow and change things in my life that need to be changed. And so I want to get into some things today because um, something happened in me quite a few years ago. (laughs) I hate to say that and then tell you how old I was, but uh, I was about (laughs) about 17 years old, just about in the month of my 18th birthday, when Uh, man, I, I started seeking after God on a different level and, and I was a believer for a long time and I'd been in church and been in the word and prayed and all that kind of stuff, but I would consider, would have considered myself to be, especially looking back, pretty carnal Christian, pretty, um, you know, weak in many regards. I did believe in the Lord, had a real relationship with God, but I wouldn't describe myself as a really a worshiper of God, um. And, and something happened in me, I sought the Lord, and, and what, what He did in me is so powerful. And it's, it's just, it just makes me think about it even to this day. I, I, I shared with you a few weeks back how there was a point where I became so hungry for God's Word, and I got it through teaching. I heard some teaching that actually opened this book up, and it made my life go boom. And awesome but you know before that ever happened, something else happened. and that is I started to worship God. I start I don't mean I never had at all, but I did on a whole nother level and it totally changed me and it's interesting that before God brought me to the revelation of his word, he brought me to himself. And I began to worship God and I couldn't see it wasn't my habit. I, my habit was to go to church and I'd sing the songs and clap my hands along with everyone else. But then I couldn't wait. All of a sudden, I had this strong desire in me. I couldn't wait to get to church and do this. Close my eyes and lift my hands and say, I worship you, Lord. I praise your name. And I I, I would would get so excited just to do that. I couldn't wait to get there. See, you could do that in your car. I know. Maybe I did. I don't remember. But I couldn't wait to get into church. And even though I'm around a crowd of people, all by myself, my eyes are closed. And I'd say, I worship you. I praise your name. And then I'd sing the songs, of course. But I... You say that's pretty simple. I know it was, but there was something about lifting my hands to God and worshiping Him with my mouth that changed my life. And what happened after that is I would, I would go home to my little apartment, and when my roommates weren't there, I'd get down on my knees. And no, I didn't know. Well, even looking back, I think why did I do that? No one told me to do that. I'd get down on my knees and lift my hands in the air. There was something about lifting my hands. I had to do that. I had to. No one was making me do it. I had to lift my hands and say, I praise you, Lord. I worship you. I praise your name. And I would just stay in that place. And something was going on inside of me. Listen, I never would have grown um, spiritually and grown to a place of spiritual maturity if I hadn't done that. I know that looking backwards. I I didn't know that then. I, I never would have become a pastor if I hadn't done that one one part of that is is this i never would have gotten to a place where i could hear from god that he had that he wanted me to do something but as when i drew near and just put him on the throne of my life and took everything else off and did it with my mouth and did it with my hands you know what i'm talking about and, and i began to do that and then he starts revealing himself to me and told me he had great things for me and all this kind of stuff and that led me to the path of wow well, i'm call of God to be a preacher who uh, who would have imagined but it started with me drawing near to God and worshiping him and so I'm kind of hooked I got to tell you I I have been for many years I'm kind of hooked if you if I have a chance to be around a good powerful worship service where we not just a song service or I'm talking about where we really worship God I'm there I want it I desire him And so it's a a really good thing, but you'll find that's a common theme among any, what you might call a spiritual giant of the past, um, that they they draw near to God and worship him. They love to do it. And I'm praying that if you're already there, cool, we're just going to connect and relate and this will all resonate with you. If you're not there, I'm really hoping that what happened in me will happen in you today and will happen in you over the next few weeks. And it'll, it'll be something that you, you crave, you know, like ice cream or something good. Oh, it'll be something you can, oh, I can't wait to do that. Oh, I can't wait to get alone. Can I get away from everybody? Why? So I can just say, I praise you, Lord, I worship you. And, and it'll, it'll work amazing things in your spiritual life. Listen, you will never reach your, your highest potential in life until you bow down. You can't get up here until you get down here. And when I say bow down, I'm talking about what? Submitting to God, putting Him on the throne of your heart, worshiping Him with everything inside of you. And and so that's my new series. All right, ready for it? It's called We Bow Down. We Bow Down. And we're going to get into some really cool stuff. Did I tell you where to turn so far? Uh, Romans 1. Romans 1, if you have that. And then John 4 two places, and I'll throw some other scriptures in here along the way that I'll put up on the screen for you to see. But if you can look at those two with your with your own eyes, if you have the capability, if you're new with us and you say, I don't have a Bible or anything, you're fine. Uh, just listen the best you can, and uh, you can get a lot out of this. You might remember Old Testament, one of the things that was the hallmark was when Moses went up the mountain and he brought down the two tablets, and they contained the, what were they? The Ten Commandments, the very first one, what was the first t- first of the Ten Commandments? I'm hearing some different things, so good job. Some of you are probably right, but I'll just read it to you from, <laughs> from Exodus 4, or Exodus 20 and verse 3. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. Think about that. That was the Lord's command to Israel. This is how this relationship is going to work, is there can't be anyone else. No other gods. Now, how many know in reality there are no other gods? But to a person there might be. And so God said, if, you're, if we're going to do this, we're going to have this walk. We're going to have this relationship, this covenant with one another. This is how it's going to work. There can't be anyone else in here. It's kind of like if anyone's married, it's kind of like that. I mean, when we got married, I'm, I'm not going to really put up with any other dudes. It's like, no, if you want some other dude, we're not getting married, and vice versa. I can't have a girlfriend on the side. I think we understand that. (laughs) Marriage doesn't work that way. That relationship has to be exclusive. That's the way God is. That's the way he is with you. He wants your heart and all of it and it alone, and he wants you to have no one else up there right next to him. Or above him, you know what I'm talking about? An exclusive relationship. Here's how he said it. You shall have no other gods before me. He went on to say in verse 4, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. It's almost kind of seems strange to us today, but what do you mean why would someone make a carved image of an animal or some created thing and worship it? Doesn't that seem bizarre? But they did. It's throughout history. People would make fish and calves. Israel did the whole calf thing. Right? Different animals, and they would say, that's our God. (laughs) It almost seems ridiculous, but that's how the devil works to twist and replace God in someone's life, we're not going to replace it even with an angel. I guess that's happened too. People have worshipped angels, but we're going to replace it with a, a calf or with a fish or with some kind of cre- some kind of animal, and it, people fall for it. That's what happens when the heart gets darkened and clouded. People do ridiculous, crazy things and think it's a good idea at the moment. So the Lord told them up front, by the way, this relationship, no, we're not doing the image thing. We're not doing the idol thing. You can't have being a fish (laughs) or some other kind of thing that you create to worship. Now, I know in our day, at least in our society, that's not really a strong temptation. But people still do fall for the trick of setting up animals and other created things in too high of a place in their life. It gets preached as almost like you and an animal are equal. Uh, no, you're not. God created you to have a relationship with Him forever. You are not in the same category. And, and when people begin to elevate the created things to the place of God, it becomes a problem whether or not it's created as a, you know, as a physical idol or something like that. We have to watch out for this reality. Okay, the things that we think would be unimaginable, no one would ever do it, people do it. Okay, did you find Romans? Yes, Romans chapter 1. Uh, same principle here that Paul is writing in the New Testament now, after Jesus was raised from the dead. He said in verse 21 about this peop- these people, he said, because they knew God, they did, because although they knew God, They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. So think of a scenario. We're talking about a person who knows who God is. In other words, the light has come, the revelation has come of who God is, what he is, what he's like, his character, his person. But someone does not glorify him as God. They say, we know who you are. But we're going ahead and going to glorify something else as God. Not you. You're God. We know that. But we're not going to give you that rightful place in our hearts. That's what they did. Okay, That's a temptation for us today as well, by the way. Come to church. Read your Bible. You know, pray. Listen. And, and, and learn about God, but then not give him the place as God. Not glorify him as God. Some people will glorify him, but not as God. What happens when an individual does that? Their life goes down. It is possible, I've said this before, for someone to come to church and leave worse. It's possible for someone to come to church week after week after week and month after month after month and leave, at the end of that, in a lower position spiritually than they were when they came. Even if good things are happening, even if good things are said, I'm not talking about you know, preaching wrong things. And the way that happens is, well, you know, I taught a couple of weeks ago, one of them is being a hearer of the word and not a doer. Hear it and don't do it. Hear it and don't do it. You deceive yourself. But this is another one right here. It is what happens is when people hear of God, but don't acknowledge him as God. They don't give him that place. Then I didn't, we didn't finish reading, but their heart gets darkened. Here, here's what it says. No, nor were thankful, but become, became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And so I kind of think of it like like the, the light bulb that, uh, you know, you, you have some of you have light bulbs in your house that you can adjust gradually. You can turn them up full or you can dial the knob and it'll just kind of get darker and darker and darker as opposed to on or off, all on, all off. I, I think our hearts are that way. When I hear God, I know Him as He is, and I don't acknowledge Him in my life as God, then click, click, 89, 88, 87. I don't really know what's happening because it's so gradual. You know, they could dim these lights in here very gradually. None of us would really even know what happened. Okay? Click, click, click. And if I keep doing that year, month after month, or maybe year after year, all of a sudden my brightness, maybe I used to be at 90, and now I'm at 70. Or maybe now I'm at 50. And all of a sudden I have all kinds of crazy ideas. I have crazy thoughts. My believing friends tell me I'm going off the deep end, but I think they're deceived. I think they're wrong. I think they just don't see things like I do, clearly like I do. But the reality is, is every time I didn't glorify him as God in my life, my heart was darkened a little bit more. My understanding got confused. And before you know it, I'm going to be an advocate. (laughs) I'm going to be a, what do you call it, an activist for something crazy, for something that's totally wrong. I've got to give God that rightful place in my life. It's the only thing that makes this relationship work. Okay, let let me keep reading here. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. So what what are they saying? I'm the smartest person in the room. I know things. Their, Their profession is that they are smart, they are wise people. But in the middle of it, they're being more and more foolish. Verse 23, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So here they are, elevating the animal world above God. Verse 24, Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness. doesn't mean God wanted them to be unclean. Uncleanness, you know, is sexual perversions. Um, Uncleanness is a spirit. Remember, Jesus would cast out unclean spirits out of people. God gave them up. He didn't want them that way, but He said, hey, you want to go down this road? I guess, go ahead. But the reason God let them do it, let them go there, is because He revealed Himself to them and they said, yeah, whatever. He said, in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature Rather than the Creator who was blessed forever. Amen. And so in our lives now, there is a need to glorify God and be thankful. Now watch, I want you to I want you to catch this language I'm using. You have to do it. If you know about Him at all, you have to. You need to do it. What do I mean? I need to do it. I need to do action. I need to be actively doing something that acknowledges and glorifies and thanks God for who He is and what He's done. If I, here's why I say I need to one, because it's here. If I don't do that, my mind will darken, I'll have futile thoughts. I will begin to think things are right that are not right. And it isn't because God is deceiving me. He's saying, listen, you want to go down that path, you've got the right to do it. And so if I am not actively lifting my own voice and telling and acknowledging God in my life, I am throwing the door wide open to being duped by some pretty crazy stuff. So I want to make sure and have enough activity in my heart, in my life, things that I am doing that honor and glorify God real directly, real on purpose. Because if I will, then I'm not going to give any space for any other thing to take that that, that place that only God can have, that exclusive relationship. Everybody okay? Seems really quiet in here today. But... If you keep being quiet, I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> So we could be here a while. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, John chapter 4. If you, if you found that, then, then take a look over there. John chapter 4. This is where Jesus was speaking here now. John, the fourth chapter. And uh, looking at verse 23, jumping right into the conversation here. He said, But the hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So consider what Jesus said and think what what must exist for this statement to be true. If Jesus said the Father is seeking true worshipers, those who will worship a certain way then there must be phony worshipers, false worshipers, fake worshipers, something else that's not in the true category must exist. Otherwise, Jesus would just say, the Father is seeking worshipers. No, he clarified it with the adjective, uh, the adverb, the something. No, that would be a, yeah. She's my English help over here, so I speak like an intelligent person. I try to. Uh, uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, There must be a condition that would qualify a person as being a true worshiper. And so when I see that the Father is seeking this type of worshiper, I'm looking at myself saying, okay, what kind of a worshiper am I? Does Does that make sense? I want to know, am I in the true category? Am I doing this right? Am I approaching him correctly? I I can tell you right off that it's really clear for me to see that if someone is going to worship God, then he has to be the most important person in that worship. As opposed to me, my preference, what I like. Well, I really like to worship this way. I really like this and, you know, we have our, our personal preferences. They might be based on our upbringing or some other kind of thing that we like. Kind of like how some, you know, people, some people like country music and some people like rock and roll music and other, you know, people like have preferences in life and that's fine. When it comes to worshiping God, it's not about what I want or I like. It's about what he wants and it's about what he likes. And I'll never be a true worshiper if it's all about me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Say it out loud when they say, It's not all about me. Come on, if we're going to worship Him, it's all about Him or it's not really worship. Well, this song just makes me feel so good. Well, fine, but who are you worshiping? Get a big mirror and worship yourself. Amen. Is He glorified? Is He magnified in your life? That's the question we should ask. When we're doing church, it's not whether I like it per se or don't like it, it's does God like it? You know, nowadays, because we, side note to everything else I'm saying, because we live in the day of offense, how everyone is licensed to be offended at everything. I mean, not you guys, but you know, (laughs) the rest of the world. Uh, uh, You know, people are are often saying, even about church, you don't want to say this because someone could be offended. And of course, we're not... I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. That's not my goal. But I think maybe the better question would be, well, what does God think about this, what we're saying and what we're doing? I mean, if God could be offended, you know what I'm saying? I should be more concerned if God to be offended than a person. What if everyone else loves us and likes us and God's going, whatever. See, that's what would be my concern. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day, and so are you, by the way. We're all going to stand before God to give an account for what we've done, and that's the reward seat of Christ if you're a Christian. Um, You're going to stand before God, and I I don't want to stand before Him and say, Father, I didn't really say this, and I didn't say this. I know it's in there, but I didn't say it because people might not like me if I say that. Just a side note, anyway. Take that for extra bonus material. Uh, the other services didn't even get that. I want you to know you are the cream of the crop, the best. Okay? And so Jesus said that true worshipers must worship the Father this way. If you're going to get through, you're going to get through His way. And if, I, if I'm going to say my way, my my method, this is my preference, I'm probably having a little worship session with myself. <laughs> I'm probably not getting very getting very far with the Father. And so, again, there are those who worship... And then there are those who worship the Father. The re- one reason I think of it this way is because I don't think there are any people that are not worshipers, period. If someone says, oh, I'm not really into that worship thing. Oh, yeah, you are. Now hear me out. Don't just throw it out. Yeah, you are. You're worshiping something or someone. Something is occupying that place in your heart. Something is being lifted and magnified and adored by you. Even if you don't sing a song to it, even if you don't raise your hands or bow your knee to it, there is something that is occupying your heart, and it really is the object of your worship. And someone said, well, I don't understand. Why does God require us to worship Him? Think about it this way. If you don't, He knows that if you don't worship Him, you're going to worship something else. And if you worship anything else but Him, that's not going to go well. It's going to be a corrupting factor in your life. It'll harm your health. It'll harm your relationships. It'll hurt you in so many ways. So he said, "You put me in that place, and I'm going to guarantee you're going to be all right, because you're 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 connecting with the Author of Life, with the Father who loves you more than anything else on this in in creation. And if you give Him that place, ooh, you're laughing." You let anything else get in that place, you're in trouble. Really? Now watch. When Jesus got baptized, remember? He got baptized by John in the Jordan River. And then immediately he went out into the wilderness. And it was the time of temptation. He fasted for 40 days. Remember that? And Satan came after him, tempted him in three different areas. Remember what one of them was? Satan tried to get Jesus. He said, if you will bow down and worship me. He said, then I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. He knew that's what Jesus was after. He said, I'll give them to you if you'll worship me. Satan still works that way. Try to replace your worship of God with him. Now, it might not be we have a little devil statue that we worship, but it has to do with putting anything else in the place of God. That's how Satan went after Jesus. Think about that. Jesus, he went after him that way. But I like his response. Of course this is how we should respond as well. He used the word. It's Matthew four ten. Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall, shall and, and him only you shall serve. Not him also, him only. That's that exclusive relationship with God again. If he occupies the place that no one else can occupy, then we are laughing. But if anything else gets in there, and the devil will work night and day to get you and me to place something else in that coveted, holy place in our hearts that only God can live in or is supposed to live in. Amen, amen. Colossians 3, 5, Paul said this. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. Think of all those things. Okay, we think, ooh, yeah, bad, bad, bad sin, he said, which is idolatry. He said all those activities is basically, it's not just sin for sin's sake. It's sin because it's you worshiping it. An idol or idolatry is basically extreme admiration. It is love or reverence for something or someone. He said, you got to get these things out because that's putting an idol in your life. And that's the very first beginning point of having a real relationship with God is you can't have anything else there. Amen. I remember years ago uh, seeing people wear baseball, uh, baseball, baseball shirts, t-shirts that had a baseball saying on them, and it, the saying was, uh, "Baseball is life." And uh, I was, you know, I'm a baseball fan. I like to watch it, and, and so forth. But I, I've never forgotten that. That was a long, long time ago. I don't know if any of you had those shirts. Do you still have one? Yeah, okay, but people put different football, golf, or whatever their hobbies are, their things they like. Is life, and I've never forgotten it because I thought, no, I'm going to enjoy a good game, but no, baseball is not life. It cannot be that absolute and hold that place. You see what I'm saying? If I'm going to have a relationship with God, a true one, a real one, none of this phony baloney playing religion, playing church, a real sold out relationship with God, here's the only way it works. God is life. Scripture, New Testament says Christ who is our life, right? He has to hold that place. It can't be anything else. The Baseball's fine, just keep it down there, yeah? I've heard people say this over the years, uh, um parents have described their kids this way my children are my life well that can't be you guys that's going to be a problem it's going to be a problem for your kids or sometimes maybe when a, a spouse is battling an incurable or or you know a serious disease of some kind and they'll say a husband will say man she is my life Or a wife will save her husband with thoughts of losing them or something. They'll say, man, he is my life. Listen, that is a wrong way to think. That will actually be a hindrance to this whole thing working. They can't be your life. Do you love and appreciate them? Of course. But only one person can hold that highest place and he is our life. Does that that make sense? See, this is, I don't know what it's like in you, but this is a heart issue with every one of us and we need to be honest with God, before God, with ourselves. Again, I don't think there are anyone, any, any people who don't worship at all. Everyone worships something. We are worshipers by design. We give our attention, our devotion to something. People continually stand up and speak out for something. And when it's not God... That, that space gets occupied by something else unless I intentionally get in and, like I said with me, I said, I have to get to church, I have to sing that song, I have to close my eyes, I have to worship him, I have to, get my, I have to worship him. See, if I would have not had done, done that at that point, something else would have got in that place in my heart. When you know this is working in you and you see this clearly, you have meaning you have understanding, it's time to giddy up. I highly want to recommend something today that you start that you up the game of your worship life of God starting now, lest because of a revelation of how God is and how he thinks get pushed aside and understanding begin to get darkened. Something else will occupy that space in your life and you'll worship baseball or something. You know, a friend, a friend of mine years ago, he was really into fishing. And and he's a believer, loves God, but he, he told he said, I got so preoccupied with fishing, and he would go every single day. He would get off work and go fishing. And it, it got to a point where all he would think about practically is fishing how many know there's nothing inherently wrong with fishing? Do you like to fish? I would never tell anyone, if you want to be a Christian, you can't fish. No, no. But with him, he got to a place, and the Lord had to deal with him and get him to give it up. He had to go cold turkey. <laughs> you know, like, like, if you think of it like when, when someone's an alcoholic or something... And they have to go on the bandwagon and not, they're never going to touch a drop of alcohol again on the rest of their life because they know this is dangerous stuff and for me it's a problem. And we say, yeah, I understand that. But fishing? Now I would not tell someone else to do that but God dealt with him and he had to lay it aside. Why? It was becoming an idol. It was becoming a hindrance between him and his relationship with God. It was. It had a hold of him. I don't know what might get a hold of you. I know there are different things in life that can be a, a problem to us. Sometimes money is an issue. Now money's is not a bad thing. I'd rather have too much than too little. But how many know sometimes people fall in the trap and money becomes the, the object of their affection. Their devotion is giving to acquiring it and or maintaining it. It can be, it can be a problem. It can be things like, like sex. Sex becomes the object of some people's worship. That's all they think about they think about it day and night and it becomes it occupies their minds and listen i imagine some some guys in here maybe maybe some ladies too but understand how things like pornography get a hold of you and it becomes it becomes something that you can hardly go very long at all and you have to think about it it's occupying a space in your life that needs to be filled with god let me take a side journey here just for a moment there is there's different methods of getting free from things that you don't like to do or you like or you know you shouldn't do. Um, one of them is to just to try to say no, 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 you know, say no to drugs, that kind of thing. Just say no. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that's not so easy. Another way to do it is, to, is what I'm talking about here is you occupy that space that that holds with something else. So when I would normally do one thing I'm going to engage myself in something else that displaces it. It pushes it out. And in this case I, can, I could recommend that you say you know, take 30 minutes hold on to your seat but just take 30 minutes and close your eyes and, and, and say there is no one else but you. There is no other God but you. I will serve no one else and nothing else but you. Lord I, I magnify you in my life. I worship you and you alone. Every word you can think of and say, no other God but you. Lord, be glorified in my thought life. Be glorified in what I look at. Be glorified in this, in my life. And do that intentionally, almost as a workout. God knows what you're doing. Say, it feels fake. I don't care. You know what's going on. He knows it's not fake. You're forcing the issue. It's like I'm going to lift weights and push past this barrier. I can't seem to lift more than I've always lifted. And you push yourself, right? For those who, who like to body build and so forth, push yourself past it. You do it. We can engage our relationship with God until all of a sudden there's no space for that thing that I've been struggling with for so long. Hallelujah. Extra bonus material for the third service again. See, I've already done the other two, so I recognize these things are coming up in my heart, and they, they weren't in my notes, and there, God is helping people in here. He really is. And if, if something is resonating with you, don't just take it as uh, a word for me, or, wow, pastor really gave a good... Say, God spoke to me today. God was showing me. He was working in me and helping me in my life. Because I tell you, if it's of me, it's not going to work anyway, but it's when it's of God, it'll change your life forever. Hallelujah. How long have I' been preaching anyway? I just started right? No I'm just kidding. Uh, l- let me let me finish with just a couple of things this is uh, this is so big and I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come back and and hit some more of this next week and it's gonna be fun. all right but people have different things that take the place of God. They worship different things. We would never call it that. People sometimes worship their physical body or other people's physical body. And it's all about the physique and all this kind of stuff. And it just occupies a place. Some people worship their political position. And it's the thing that drives everything they think about. It's too high. I'm not saying it shouldn't be important. I'm saying it can't occupy the place that God has in in, in their life. Um, people worship knowledge. They worship... Really themselves for what they've learned and how smart they've become and and everything that comes in to replace God in their life. You know, Satan's a, a, the biggest pervert around. You know what I mean by that? He's not a creator; he's a perverter. He doesn't make things. He takes things that God creates and pushes them too far, or twists them and mangles them. You understand what I'm saying? That's the way that Satan works. It's the way that he, he, he works in your... You know, what is sickness? It is a perversion of health. God's design. You know, uh, Satan wants to mess up marriage and, 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 co- and make it something that God never intended for it to be. He doesn't create something new. He just twists what's already there. What God said, it's this. And then he, he says, no, it's this. It's something else. He wants to make church something that it's not. Constantly working. So how do I avoid that, falling for that trap? Every time I see and know that God is who he said he is, I acknowledge him that way in my life. Say, God, you are who you said you are. You are my savior. You are my healer. You are my friend. You are my Lord and my master. I serve you and no one else but you. And I continually practice acknowledging God's place on the throne of my heart. To whatever degree I have revelation of him. Satan's aim is to get us to give the place of God to someone or something else. It doesn't even matter what it is. Anything to give up that specific place in someone's life. Amen. Think about your own life for a sec. Is there anything that regularly keeps you from doing things that are godly, spiritual, helpful? Is there anything regularly that keeps you from having a prayer life? Is there anything regularly that keeps you out of the book? Is there anything regularly that keeps you out of church or keeps you from serving or keeps you from giving? If these kind of things happen on a regular basis, even though they in and of themselves might not be wrong or sinful or evil or anything like that, when they occupy that space and all of a sudden your time and attention and focus is always shifted away from God because of this activity, this event, this involvement, then that thing is in the danger zone. And it could become or could already be what might be considered an idol or another God before him. Amen. Everybody okay? <laughs> Here's my point, and we'll, we'll go further later. But you do bow down. I do bow down. That's my series title. We bow down. You do. But the question is to what? I'm given that place, I'm devoting, I'm admiring, I'm loving on something. The question is, to what? And our goal is to worship Him and Him alone. And when you give God that place in your life, He will do amazing things in your life. And I'm going to show you that. I don't want to just make statements. I know I throw them out there. I'm going to show you that in the scripture later. But if you will give Him that place and you will worship Him not just in theory but in practice in him alone he will work in you there was a king in the old testament named Uzziah and in second chronicles it says that he sought god in the days of Zechariah and it, the last part says and as long as he sought the lord god made him prosper think about that if i seek the lord meaning i'm seeking him and not other things i'm seeking the lord God makes me prosper. Isn't it wild how sometimes God will bless you? And when people get blessed or prospered or they're successful in life, then they stop looking to God. <laughs> and then things go south. And then they go back to God. Israel did this over and over again. Help! I'm in trouble. I need you help. I need help from the Lord. They go back to God, then He, of course, forgives and restores and delivers and blesses, and they prosper again in life and they succeed. And then they turn away from God again. Until things go south and they turn back to God. I just have a vision, I have a thought that maybe we should just like let God's blessings be in our life and continually serve Him. And never forget where the blessings came from. Never forget that God is good towards us. We didn't earn it or deserve it or are entitled to it but He blessed us with His favor by His choice. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Well, say it out loud with me today. say whatever you want (laughs) Say say it out loud with me if you can say I will keep the Lord God the Father who loves me on the throne of my heart all my days Father no one else but you I will have no other gods before you I will serve you and only you and adore you and only you All the days of my life, you alone are on the throne of my heart. Amen. Father, thank you for working in our lives today. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your victory. Thank you for showing us and revealing to us your ways, your love, your kindness.